There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. All I right. say nothing. His social security number. We are <laughs> recording. <laughs> Tom Bernard Show with... Co-host Catherine Brandt, Mike Molina, Andy Brandt Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal. Yeah, apparently uh, L.A. wuss isn't coming in today. I don't know why not. He's Candy, a, he's a busy he man. Sugar tit all. He says way. he's going to miss it though because he likes it when we're all live in the studio. He's out motorcycle riding. Yeah, you know you're it's a little chilly right today though it compared is. to yesterday. He's been dying Supposed to ride to all winter though. They said this this afternoon by three o'clock it's going to be even a lot nicer than it was yesterday. Really? That's what nice. they said. Nice. We will be right back, Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Dave Dudley was the morning guy at K. Adam, because KQRS, AM, and FM were K. Adam and K. Eve. Huh, I didn't know before that. Before it became KQRS. And Dave Dudley, who wrote, Six days on the road and I'm going to make it home tonight. He was the morning guy. Huh. I knew what he was a DJ, that? and I knew Dudley was in there some. I, for, I thought it was his first name. I forgot that it was his second. Dave Dudley. All right, Andy, what's up on my screen here? I think we're going to do a Walzer commercial. Yeah. Oh, there we are. Oh, yeah. we came to the Walzer commercial first? Do you remember first? that? You know who's here <laughs> like from Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com, is Doug Sprinthal. Is it Monday? Well, our, my shaming technique has not worked very well so far. On the morning show, we were talking about 
We are uh, uh, take two of the KQ Walzer Tour to Cure team. It's up on the Tour to Cure website. We're encouraging people to join. But I thought, well, let's shame some people into joining. That so always works. Try it on Jeff Passholt. Um, got a nice note from him saying I have to have a hip replacement. Otherwise, I'd love to. Wow, that's a good He's reason anyway. Then Dan Chesky texted me. Sounds like a great deal. Going to donate 500 bucks to the team. I said, come on, dude. you got to ride. He's having his knee replaced knee this replaced week. Knee replaced this week. Yep. <laughs> like, I think today, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I think it's, it might be tomorrow. But So, so far, the shaming. <laughs> although, Pat Eberts, two people from KQ emailed me. Uh, I don't know who they are. They think they work in sales or something. And said, yeah, I heard you on the radio, Pat you got to ride. If you ride, we're going to ride. So it's really fun. We had a great time last year. June 2nd, you can sign up on the Tour to Cure website. If you can't navigate or you get stuck, just email me at Doug at Walzer.com. We are signing up for the 26-mile ride. You don't have to be in tip-top marathon shape, but it's, it'll take about two hours, give or take or so. Marathon thape. Marathon thape. I like it. <laughs> that works for me. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we don't have to wait for those people, do we? Wait for what people? The people in the bike ride. I'm not waiting for all those people to try to stay up with us. No. Mm. You can ride as fast as you want. Last year, it was great. Yeah. The group all stayed together. It was fantastic. We, Except one, you guys left one guy behind, so I rode with him for a while because you guys were mean to him. We rode with him, too. And I'll you tell you the mean. story because he's a cool guy. He was one of three attorneys on our group. It was Why don't we do this? Why don't we take attorneys. the – we'll come back from the break and okay. make it part of the show. That would be good. Okay. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. This guy used to be the morning guy at KQ, too. I already told him after today's show, I said, why don't we get about 15 more people on the air at the same time so nobody can talk? My God, there were a lot of people on the air at the same time. I was just listening at 7, and it was you and Michelle and Domino, I think. It didn't seem like it was too hectic. Maybe it changed later. Well, there was Mordahl was in there, and and later on Passolt came in there. And my whole day was, here's my whole day on the air. But I, so it, if I. Yeah, it's obnoxious. Because every time I try to talk, somebody talk right over mm-hmm. me. You, there's really like a limit of five. Any more than that, yeah. and it just gets impossible for anyone to talk. Zero. I definitely feel like that when there's phone guests. It's just like, you might as well just yeah, shut up. Yeah, don't even bother trying. Uh, I want to see the Apu debate. Apu? Uh, oh, they're still doing they're that. Still do- Are well, they still mad? Oh Hank Azaria is proposing a new direction. Don't ruin the what? Simpsons, please. I know. Don't ruin the Simpsons. Leave They're going to do it. People are mad because they think Apu is racist. He's no. He's that, the character's been around for what twenty five years, and they're just getting pissed now. Are they, are, they're saying Apu is racist, or the show is racist depicting an Eastern Indian? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, they've got groundskeeper Willie. That's a pretty exaggerated representation of Scottish Those people. Scottish people. But who cares about Scottish people? Yeah. He's a drunk, isn't yeah. he? Yes. He's a. Well, I mean, he lives in a shed. He lives in a shed with manure. Exactly. Yeah. He's yeah. violent. Yeah. There's no shortage of uh, stereotypes going on there. So. I was I was telling people, you know, been in and out of town all winter long and you know, traveling and going here and going there and all the rest of it. We've been back for about a week and a half now. I cannot tell you how much more political the state of Minnesota is uh, than anywhere it's, else it's we go. It's glaring. It's it unbelievably really political here. 
What is wrong with oh, you us? You watch the it's... news here and you're just like, the stories that they choose to yep. cover are all politics. It's really just Minneapolis, though. Out in Dayton, I'd never remember anyone talking about politics. Well, you still would have been in the same news. I was going to say, you're a different well, news a channel. Diff- well, no, it's a different. It's, it was different. I mean, you were born in 1986. This, this all politicizing absolutely everything and uh, witch hunting anybody that doesn't agree with you i think that all started maybe 15 years ago yeah well, it happened know, in the 60s years. actually so well but it we died down for a little bit and then it died down yeah. yeah so yes i cannot believe it you watch the news here and everything is about sex race gender or or uh, orientation Every story is about that. Mm-hmm. It's like, good God, can you ever be happy? Are you always in a bad mood? Is that the problem? Could you smile once in a while? <laughs> you know, Jesus. And then one guy got written. I could take two quick ones. One person got very pissed off at me because I said, you do realize the first slave owner in the United States was a black person. He did not want to hear that. It's true. I mean, it's actually, he went to court to make sure that he could keep his... I can't even say that. Keep his slave. Yeah. I mean, he what? Did. No what? one, no one cared back then. They all just, you oh, know, just people. People will get used to anything. I have a great slave owner story. I was listening to a woman on the I radio. I have a great slave <laughs> well, owner this, story. This is very interesting. She wrote a book about George and Martha Washington, who owned slaves. Mm-hmm. And in George's will, he said his slaves would be emancipated when his wife died, which. Put That's a little right. stress on her oh, because yeah. I thought she was going to get murdered. <laughs> That's yeah. right. When his wife died, then you're all free. I had never so, heard Mrs. that Mrs. Washington, how are you feeling today? <laughs> but, so I said, yeah, the, the first slave owner in the United States was a black man. I didn't know that. Oh, I know what talking about. Oh, it's, said, not, it's not like a confirmed thing, but he was definitely one of the first. Well, okay, yeah. It's hard to, uh, yeah, it's hard to say. I because the first legal of, documents that stated it. Uh, there's yeah. crappy no? documentation back no. then. I mean, this was like, what, Who knows? 1710 or something? Yeah, a long time ago. But they, it, he was just like, from what I know, he was on the first, like, manifest of slave owners or whatever, so. I still just don't understand how that ever became a thing. Uh, Slavery was a thing in the entire world until, like, I still don't even understand. It still is everywhere else except for Western Europe, Australia, Canada, and the United States. I'll get in trouble for saying this, but I had some in my family in the early 1700s up in Vermont. Really? Slaves? Mm -hmm. There weren't a lot of slaves in Vermont, too. Huh? There weren't a lot of slaves in Vermont. No, there weren't a lot of people in Vermont. No. No. Well, but yeah, most slaves went to the South. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
went until their fifteen thousand no, dollar debt. Terrible. It's horrible. No, did they arrest How the, the guy happen? that published back pages? Did he get arrested? I think I, I read think, that last I, year. I think that might be right. I believe so. Craigslist right pulled all the that. personals. They said, yep, Good. after this legislation, we're not going to do it anymore. So. Uh, Ex-Back Page Executive Michael Lacey charged, charged. I- about three weeks ago, two weeks ago. So he's going up, up against the grand jury. So but At least they're doing something about yeah. it. Yeah, there, there was a documentary on, on sorry, PBS. <laughs> My favorite welfare, <laughs> welfare television. About this whole thing, and it's like, you know, the guy down the street, and, you know, that lived in their little village, they're, he's the one gathering them up and sending them away oh, and, yeah. and profiting. Oh, it's yeah. just it's just amazing it's what people will do for money. It's yeah. amazing Anything for what money. people well, the, will do for you money. You know, the other end of it is, is just as offensive, that there are people that will take advantage of these people exactly. and have sex That's, with them. It's like, oh, the oh, whole thing is horrible. There's yes. seven and a half billion people on the planet. You can find somebody that would like to sleep with you. It's probably not going to take that long. No. For Probably a lot of not. people, it's the fact that it's illicit that they like. Yeah, I know it is, and that's even more twisted. I yeah, think. it's kind of yeah. gross. But it's you know, I got to be honest with you. Kind of gross. Lastman had this story this morning about some. <laughs> we talk about <laughs> we anything. We were wondering so where Lassman. you were going to go. <laughs> well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because he brings up this story about I don't even know what it was about. Uh, where it was, somebody canceled their business, whatever. But it was a sex toy company or something. I had no idea there were so many things you could shove so many places. I know. It's kind of... <laughs> like what? It's like Modern how plastics. Many, how many things do you oh need? Oh, my God. Well, my aunt used to work in a in a hospital, and she's, you know, not, not, and I remember asking her about all these stories that you hear. Did, you know, do people really put light bulbs up there and yes, they gerbils? Do. Yeah. And yeah, she's they like, do. She, she wouldn't say yes. She wouldn't say yes. She looked straight at the floor and nodded yes. Oh, they my my brother-in-law like, oh. is an ER doc in Denver, and he's just as people will when put you anything Pour a few in him, he just starts telling stories. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. No, I mean it's unbelievable. And people putting things down their urethra. Oh, like, that oh. cannot oh. feel good. Okay, we sounding. just lost all the listeners. It's called sounding. Yes, I have no idea why, but that's sounding. Kind of what are you doing? Because you're you know yelling. That. <laughs> I'm sounding. Because you're screaming as you're doing it. Ah. Puppies. I would be. Uh-oh. Wow, Troubles only 15 here. minutes late. Puppies. That's got to be some for sort once. of record for you. <laughs> well, why didn't you answer our FaceTime? Oh, because why you didn't were... you answer mine? I was in the shower when you oh, called Oh, is that me. what that grinning well, sound was? I could hear you. No. Was that? No, 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 no. this was, was this home. morning oh, well, before was... we even got into the studio. My headphones have been making weird noises. I think they're picking up signals in the oh, air. It's the, it's the low buzz? No, they do all sorts of weird stuff. Hmm. All right, I'll read this story while we're settling in. Lots of people weren't quite satisfied with The Simpsons' response to a discussion of negative stereotypes of South Asians pushed by a character Apu Nahasha Pima Petalon. Nahasha Pima Petalon. Perhaps including the man who voices him in an interview on Tuesday's Late Show, Hank Azaria, told Stephen Colbert he had nothing to do with the writing or the voicing of the recent Simpsons episode that appeared to downplay the debate. I think if anyone came away from that segment thinking they needed to lighten up, that's definitely not the message that I want to send. You know, I have heard that Hank Azaria is a flaming jerk. Yeah, well, he he's the like one it. who wanted to quit, but then they were like, hey, money. And then he was no, like, no, 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 no. I wasn't Hank Azaria. That was... Uh, yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. It was... Uh, oh, what's his name? It was not Hank Azaria. It was the guy that was in uh, 
Spinal Tap. Oh, Harry Shearer? Harry Shearer. Oh. Yeah, it was Harry Shearer. You know, at, in this day and age, you would think that you could find... So many people do the Simpsons voices great. Oh, and yeah. they're not even professional voice actors. Yeah. I think you could yeah, find somebody to replace these guys. Yes. Well, Tom, don't forget, tonight, Brockmire season two premiere. <sighs> Brockmire. Oh, yay. I love Brockmire. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Oh, you, Alex. you would hate it. You would no, hate it. No, she you would, would like hate it. it. Sarah likes it. She would hate it. I can guarantee you. Alex, your mother is so upset that she wasn't here when T.J. Miller was sitting where Doug I Smith know. always now. I can't believe oh my it. God, it's it's the funniest <laughs> show. I was trying to explain to my parents that the show. You can't explain you can't that explain to your parents. My brother-in-law, Todd, would like the show. I know that, but none of the other people down there would have liked that show. There's no way. I am telling Man you. I wouldn't have got what? it. What? Yeah. No. I know, so I'm, anyway, and I was talking about the time that he said, oh, I can't say it. No, I can't say it. You it can includes, edit it out. Ready to, ready to edit. It's, um, you know, the saying, he should hit the bed. Yeah. And he says, he shit everybody's bed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did, took a selfie with him. I texted it to the kids and to Sarah, and Sarah types back, Jin Yang! <laughs> Jin Yang? Jin Yang. He it's is so funny. Seriously, you guys would have really liked him. He's, he's... Well, all the characters on that show are great. They're just so perfectly cast. Yes. That kid who plays Richard... The inventor of Pied Piper. Yes. yes. His name is like Lodich. Or his Do you think he's really in like, real life? like that? Oh, he has to be that socially he's un- the, awkward. He he's has to be. spokesperson of Verizon now. Yeah, he's he on is, all right? right. Commercials. Oh, he, he is? is? Yes. Kind of like awkward, gangly guy there, too. Real stilted talking yeah. pattern. So the yeah. first time we watched that, Sarah goes, Do you know who Guilfoyle is? And, like, and it had just been on for like a minute. And I said, No. He was the sidekick in Freaks and Geeks. Freaks and Geeks, ah. yeah. Gilfoyle's one of my favorites. Oh, God, he's just really? Great. Is that what you really think? And the other guy. Your, uh, no emotion at yeah. all. The Indian guy? Yeah. Yeah, he was in that he movie. wrote The Big Sick. The Big Sick. Yeah, oh, he wrote he really The Big is? Sick, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's his name? I can't Pradesh think. or something like that? I can't remember his name. Well, they'll probably get after me now because you used the Apu name and I... <laughs> Oh my uh, God! I can't think. I can't of think. All right, what do you think about? I don't know any story. of their names. Kumail really Nanjiani. Kumail. 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 Kumail or Kumail? Okay. That's his real name. Though. That's his real name. Though. What's his oh, name the on the character's on, name? Uh, Dinesh. 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 That's Dinesh. right. Dinesh. Dinesh. Isn't Kumail the guy who was in House? Um, what? I think so. What? I've seen every episode yes. of House. Wait, no, no. And I don't think what? that that's correct. I tell you honestly, God, one of my favorites. When, what is it, Dinesh? Yeah. Dinesh finally hooks up with this girl that he's so infatuated <laughs> oh, with, just God. wild about her. Oh, I can't wait. She's coming up. I don't want to do the voice because you get pissed off and <laughs> say, oh, you racist. Anyway, so he can't wait till she gets over. She finally shows up, and he, he's talking to her. And T.J. Miller walks up and goes, Kathy, is that you? <laughs> Hey, you know, did you ever find my earrings? I don't know. Why don't you come with me and we'll look for them? They <laughs> go into the bedroom and never come out. Outed by Wi Fi. It's a very was, funny show. It is a very yes. funny show. I laugh out loud every single time. Yes. Uh, so far, we haven't even come up with one eh, lame episode. No, Not one. Not one. It. I tell you what, his discomfort with everything. His social awkwardness, Richard's, yeah. is 
Yes. Spot on. It's so great. Yes. Yeah, well, it smells like farts. Are you a farter? <laughs> what? Dan and I need to watch the new season. We haven't watched it we yet. Haven't wa- we're in season three right now. Yeah, we, we're very... We're just finishing powering four. through. We're very into... Wonderful stuff. And the, the writing unsolved is just... murder of Tupac and Biggie. That's our only show. Oh, my God. Oh. Get out of my studio. Uh, it's such an interesting story. Ish. It doesn't have anything to do with, like... Plus, it's all lies anyway. What is all lies? Tupac and Biggie. What do you mean? They're a bunch of thugs. Yeah. Oh, so they actually tell the truth? Yeah. Oh, good. And, like, their moms are involved, and their moms are like, you cannot live like this. Yep. Like, this is not how I raised you, and all this stuff. Oh, good, so they actually tell the truth. People glorify it the way they live. Yeah, no, they don't glorify it. It wasn't good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Because they were both scumbags, both of them. Yeah. We shall be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company? A better banking experience. Member of FDIC, an equal housing lender. Did you know that about 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery or clearer vision, attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020. To RSVP today. That's 855-554-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. We're talking about how I didn't get to present in the prelims because I was too busy getting my face pummeled so that our team could move forward. That's why we're presenting tomorrow. And you know what? We're going to win. Yeah. We're going to win even if I have to go into the auditorium and personally jerk off every guy in the audience. (laughs) That's a lot of jerking. And we only have 10 minutes to present. And then they start yeah, with Paul. Joking, two that's at a time, there that's are, what, they, that's where they developed the middle room. out compression. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. Then they start doing the whole yeah. algorithm and the mathematics. They, they spend hours and hours on how to do this. Most efficiently. <laughs> Most efficiently so do it. Funny. It is a very, very funny show. If you've not watched... Uh, Silicon Valley. Sil- Silicon Valley. It's on HBO. It's on Amazon. It's hilarious. Yeah, not it's Silicon Valley. That's a different show altogether. Silicone. What is Silicon Valley? Well, is that it, it sounds like a porno tape, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. It well, does. people. Some people call it Silicon Valley. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Like Pirates mm. of the Caribbean and Pirates of the Caribbean. Caribbean. Yeah. All right. I'm going to finish this Hank Azaria lie. 
Uh, I really want to see Indian, South Asian writers in the room genuinely informing whatever new direction the character takes, he added, even if it means Azaria and Apu have to part ways. The fate of the character remains unclear. Showrunner Al Jean has vowed to continue to try and find an answer that is popular and more important right. That is bull. Sorry. What is the problem with Apu? Why, what don't they like about Apu? We're in the age where if you complain, people will do what you say, yes. and people like that power. But I That's have really not all seen... It is. Apu is a smart guy who runs a store. Runs his own business. Yeah. Runs his own business. What's the problem here? He's a good dad. He's a good dad. People just like abusing power. Whatever that they power really is, do. they'll abuse it. Andy, if you drop your voice about half an octave, you're Gilfoil. <laughs> yeah. Gilfoil. <laughs> oh, from Silicon Valley. <laughs> Yeah, I still haven't watched Tell that. Tell you what, people. Just oh, you really love oh, it. Oh, Andy, you would love that show. You would. I want to go there. I want to go to Palo Alto just to see if it's really. It's like kind that. of weird. It, it is <laughs> weird. Been in Palo Alto. Yeah, but not not since the tech boom. I got invited to a um, meeting at Google two summers ago and went out there for three days and. It was through Edmonds, uh, yeah. the, the car deal. And Edmonds people, Fitzgerald? Yeah, no, they wanted to know what actual car dealers thought. We told them they were full of it. But it's the Google campus is weird. Parts of it are super modern, but we were in the early phase. It, the, the building we were in looked like a 70s uh, Burnsville, Minnesota apartment complex. Oh, really? Yeah, it was just... This is Google. <laughs> this is Google. Every other car you see out there is a Tesla, though. They're every, yes. every, every, oh, you got to be suppose, careful yeah. you know, walking across the street because you can't hear them coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. They, matter of fact, they wanted them to put, like, whistles on yeah. the front of them so you could hear them coming. Well, just look at the road. Well, that would be, be a good well, idea. Those things are so quiet. Well, yeah, when you had your Tesla, it was so quiet. I mean, Very quiet. Uh, and um, with all these bike lanes being, you know, yeah. into the, in the road now. I'd, You're right. Yeah. It would be nice to be able to hear it coming. They should put like a a horn that's not as loud and obnoxious on them. So, so it's not so starting. Start, yeah. So if you're coming up behind uh, a bicyclist, you can like you know whistle at them, but not have your car constantly whistling every. Yeah, like a little bike. Yeah, exactly. That would be nice. Bell, ding, ding. Make your Prius sound like a Harley. That'd yeah. Be awesome. <clears throat> Well, that's what there they do. Go. That's what they do with a lot. That you can have that installed on your uh, electric car. You can uh, a speaker that makes it sound like a supercar. Yeah, and a lot of people like that, that Prius just, is boss. That sound is like people really like it. I don't. I mean, it's sounds, oh my God, it sounds the sound dumb. Of a good engine. Well, but it's not a real engine. It's a speaker. So yeah. it's like you it just know, makes them feel like they're driving a real car. I guess. <laughs> Not a golf cart. Not, Not a golf cart. cart. Andy, would you bring up the Golden Gate Killer story? Oh, yeah, they caught him. Golden State. Yeah. State? Golden State? State? I thought it was Golden Gate Killer. State. Golden State Killer. Okay. Well, they caught him. Yes. After how long? Where is it's it? It's got to be. I don't see it. He's there. 70 now. It's 20 uh, years? Wow. Yeah. His biggest, like, it was between 72 and 85, I want to say, is when all of his crimes were. His yeah. name is Joseph James D'Angelo. A long time oh, ago. Typical Italian. And he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing a shoe size nine. Mother. 40 year search. 40 years. 40 year search for the Golden 19, State Killer. 1976. So what gave him away? A person believed to be the so-called Golden State Killer accused of 
12 killings and 45 rapes across California. Nice From 1976 to 1986 is under arrest, FBI spokeswoman Angela Bell said on Wednesday. Bell would not identify the suspect, but authorities in Sacramento were expected to release more information at a news conference scheduled. Uh, that was yesterday, though, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, what's the guy's name, D'Angelo? Joseph James D'Angelo. Joseph, Joey D. Joey D. That's what, and the Starlighters. The Peppermint Twist. Uh, the suspect was also known as the East Area Rapist and the original Night Stalker. The first recorded rape was on June 18, 1976. The victim, Jane, was dozing in bed with her three-year-old son after her husband left for work. Then she was abruptly awoken. A masked man stood in the bedroom doorway holding a large butcher knife and shining a flashlight at her face. Jesus. Imagine how terrifying that would be to wake up to that. No. Get a gun no. under your pillow. That's why I do have my gun. Blam, blam. Yeah, I probably wouldn't do that to me in my bedroom because yeah. you will get shot. Or put a claymore in your door. Note to self. <laughs> Don't Note break to self. Tom's house. Yeah. He bound Jane and her son with shoelaces and blindfolded and gagged them with torn sheets. After moving her son off the bed, he unbound Jane's ankles. And then I knew what he was there for, said Jane, who didn't want to share her last name. Jane's rape sparked the hunt for the man who authorities say went on to commit rapes and killings in California over the next decade. It's been more than 40 years since his first recorded attacks, which began in and around Sacramento in Northern California. No one was ever caught or even identified in the case. Police only had minor details about his looks, along with a sketch from an almost victim. In uh, recent years, there was a renewed interest in the case. This year, a book and a series from HLN were released, hoping to shed more light on the case. When Sacramento area rapes were first being reported, it was always by women who were alone or with children but by 1977, a year after Jane's attack, the list of victims had expanded to couples in their homes. Uh, police believe the East Area rapist killed uh, Brian and Katie Maggiore. 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 Yeah. Whatever. After the uh, couple who were walking their dog at the time spotted him before he broke into a home in Rancho Cordova, California, just outside Sacramento in February 1978, those were his first known homicides. We thought it would never stop, but then two months after the Maggiore homicides, the East Area Rapist left our jurisdiction. It was like he disappeared into thin air, said Carol Daly, a retired detective from the Sacramento County uh, Sheriff's Department. So I have a question for you. If he was living in Sacramento and then all of a sudden moved, how could they not track down the people that had moved out of the Sacramento area who would match this description? Maybe they didn't have a good description. Oh, did these write these uh, drawings come later? His, I don't know. One of the drawings is like spot on. Really? Is it? Yeah. Where is it? Is that him in the soldier outfit, Andy? Uh, no. Oh no, it's the guy he killed. So it's they don't have a pic. This for some reason CNN doesn't want to show or say who it is. That's because so. this is a really old story. Um, I'm trying to see if I can. Here's something from heavy.com. Well, this is from today. So he apparently stopped thirty some years ago. Yeah, you just yeah. curious too. He stopped in 1986. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem like those guys ever want to stop yeah. doing that. So well, how, Michelle mm. McNamara, Patton Oswalt's wife, yeah, was like obsessive about tracking him down and wrote a book oh, about really? it and stuff. And yeah, it's too bad that she's not alive. Yeah, too. she died. Yeah, that's a terrible him get deal. Caught. You're the sad to see that uh, Vern Troyer apparently was a suicide. Oh, he died. 
And he died two days ago. 49 years old. He drank himself to death. And just before he went into the hospital, he called and said he was suicidal. That's a terrible story. Yeah. D'Angelo's arrest comes after local news outlets in Sacramento, including the Sacramento Bee and KTXL-TV, reported a suspect was arrested in the case and that police would announce details about a significant break. Wednesday afternoon, this afternoon, according to Fox 40 News, D'Angelo is on suicide watch and is still completing the process of being booked into jail. Billy Jensen, who helped write the recently published book about the case, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, told the Daily Beast that D'Angelo is a suspect arrested in the East Area Rapist Golden State Killer case. He also posted a photo of a news article about D'Angelo on Twitter and called him the suspect. Police have not confirmed that they believe D'Angelo is a suspect in the case. Writer Michelle McNamara worked with investigators on the case while writing her book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark which was not completed before her sudden death in April 2016. Jensen, researcher Paul Haynes, and McNamara's husband, comedian Patton Oswalt, teamed up to complete the book, which was released in February of this year. Uh, it just says in February of, of this. this. Yeah, in February of this. Yep. So how did they finally track him I know, I'm, I, don't, I can't figure out how he finally got arrested. Yeah, well, speaking of uh, crime... Speaking of crime, yes. Uh, ladies and Cutter Wood. Mm-hmm. Cutter, how are you? Great, great. How are you doing? Well, we're just talking about the East Bay rapist, the uh, the Golden State Killer. They finally tracked him down after 32 years. Uh, he started uh, 42 years ago, and then unbelievable. It's um, wild, isn't it? It is wild. Love and death in the Sunshine State, the story of a crime refracting a provocative story of love and murder through a lens clouded by ambiguity. Cutter Wood's remarkable debut, Love and Death in the Sunshine State. Does that put a lot of pressure on you, by the way, Cutter? Cutter Wood's <laughs> remarkable debut. <laughs> it does, yeah. Maybe we could just say uh, debut. <laughs> <laughs> just debut. How about that? Oh, my God, they're comparing it to Truman Capote's In Cold Blood. There's a lot of pressure on you, Cutter. There is a lot of pressure. There is. There's a lot to live up to here. I'm I'm hoping I can do it. (laughs) Oh, God, unbelievable. So tell me all about how did did the the idea of the book start, Love and Death and Sunshine State, the story of a crime, Cutter Wood, our special guest. Where did this all start? Yeah, so it's a crazy thing. I mean, especially talking about this now kind of in the context of the Golden State Killer because this was a, a crime that took a while to solve as well. So the, the story all started actually on election night 2008, the night Obama was first elected. A, uh, a woman just disappeared off of this small island off the coast of Florida called Anna Maria Island, this very beautiful oh, sure. tourist island. Yeah. And uh, she owned a motel there. Nobody even realized for a couple of days that she was gone. She was supposed to be out of work, so, so nobody really thought anything of it. And a couple of days later, they, they just find a... Uh, a random man driving her car around on the mainland and it was just this very very strange story where they they had no body they had no murder weapon they were pretty sure that something something bad had happened to her because of some blood in the car but even though they had these three persons of interest she had a, a husband who she was estranged from a boyfriend as well as this man driving her car nobody really had a great motive so it was just this very very peculiar situation right and and the strangest thing of all is that i had i had recently just been a guest at her motel <laughs> really oh, wow. so, yeah yeah so i've been staying down there visiting some family and 
I, I really got involved when I, I got a newspaper clipping from my mother, actually, that showed this motel where I'd, I'd just been staying, just covered in flames. So two weeks after this woman disappears, you think the person, whoever committed the crime, has probably gotten away with it. Whoever it was was still so in such turmoil that it seemed like they went down to this motel and set the thing on fire. So I was just really fascinated by this case, trying to figure out, one, what had happened to this woman, and, and two, why somebody would do that kind of incompre- incomprehensible act. Yeah, so so they find the guy driving her car. Why would the guy drive her car around? Not very smart. Uh, why would he do that? <laughs> yeah, he, that guy especially, uh, he had some bad luck on that occasion. <laughs> he, he was driving this car around, and, and, you know, it wasn't clear for a long time whether or not he was involved in the case at all. But they just found him driving this car. They stopped it, pulled it over for a taillight being out, I think. They're running the information, and, and he hops out of the driver's seat and just books it. They, they kind of cordon off the area and find him underneath a uh, uh, pickup truck, a guy named Robert Corona. And he found himself deep in what, what turned out to be a really long and involved homicide investigation. It took about seven years for anything to actually break in the case. It is amazing, just reading along while you're, you're talking about this, uh, I like this. Cutter Wood, freshly graduated from college and at loose ends. Well, you bum. <laughs> What's that all about? Just I ha- had no idea what I was going to do with my life. Just hanging out down at some beautiful uh, island in uh, Florida's Gulf Coast. And I'll tell you what, I need to take a very quick break for just about a minute and a half, two minutes, and then we'll come right back, uh, if that's okay sure. with you, Cutter. Yes, perfect. A love and death in the Sunshine State, the story of a crime. We're talking to Cutter Wood. More next, Tom Bernard Show. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. My pillow is offering more than 50% off his four pack special, which includes two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first my pillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. (laughs) 
Oh, no, wait a minute. That was after you got Not out of college. Anymore. Got out of Brown <laughs> University, and uh, you didn't know where you were. You didn't know what you wanted to do. So what did, what did you study at Brown? English, of course, which is why I was waiting tables. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, the, is the Portuguese sports club still in business? I don't remember. Uh, it's a, I, don't, I don't remember it being there when I was there. My dad and my uncle are Brown grads, and my cousin is too. And the, the first time I ever had a drink with my dad, I was 15, and he took me to the Portuguese sports club because my grandmother was dying. So I was curious as to the, the, the reason they call it that is there was some liquor license deal where you could get a cheap one if you were a sports club. Oh. So they had this old blue marlin, this about yeah. a million years old, tacked up to the walls. It was That's run by all these old funny. crazy Portuguese guys. Anyway, nice. okay, so uh, so you uh, get out of Brown, you you head down the East Coast, and why did you go to the Gulf Coast rather than the, was first of all? Where did you grow up? Uh, Pennsylvania, actually. Um, Some just a kid from rural Pennsylvania. I'm kind of surprised you didn't go to the to the Atlantic side of Florida then, rather than the than the Gulf Coast side. Yeah, you know, I, I think I just had some family over there, so I was going to see them. Oh, just just uh, stopping by, trying to trying to spend some time with folks I knew, and ended up at this little motel on the beach. And that's is that that's by Sarasota. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. It's just north of Sarasota. Right. Kind of like a little, very thin little key about seven miles long on the, the coast there. Yeah, longboat key right there as well, right? Yeah, exactly. You got you got the spot. Yep, exactly. It's very, very nice. So yeah. even though he was, uh, you know, uh, kind of wandering the area at loose ends, he had a lot of dough on him to spend his time down at Anna Maria Island, uh, Carter. <laughs> well, this is, I'll tell you, the one of the craziest parts of this whole thing. When I when I went down to kind of look into this case, you know, of course, one of the people I wanted to talk to was this missing woman's husband, uh, who was a person of interest in the case. He'd been a little bit burnt out on the media coverage, mm. so you know, he was very very polite to me, very very friendly. He he decided he didn't want to talk to me about his wife, but he still owned this motel that they'd owned together, so he let me stay there on the cheap while I I researched this whole thing. You know, and spoke to everyone. So that that was a very helpful thing. Did you lock your doors at night? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I did start well, locking my doors at night. You can't, <laughs> you can't do this kind of thing without feeling like you should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see when, that. When I got down there, it was kind of the craziest scene. They, you know, it's this beautiful, if you've ever been down there, it's just this beautiful mm. tourist beach, like very white sand. Yep. It is gorgeous. And they've got, the detectives have a backhoe, this enormous backhoe out on the beach you know, in the middle of all these tourists, and they're just digging a huge hole with, like, a professor of archaeology God. and some cadaver dogs, just hoping that they, they luck upon something, right? And all of these tourists have turned their chairs around. They're not facing the ocean anymore. They've turned them, and they're, like, sitting in a circle around this big hole. Jeez. And, you know, it was when I got there, I realized there's something going on here. Like, this is having an effect on people's minds. <laughs> yeah, I could see that, absolutely. So how much of the hotel actually burned when it was set on fire? So the the motel has a number of different buildings. So it was just one of those buildings. Oh, I think okay. There may be three or four 
buildings total. But so they were able to keep operating. Well, that's good. There was this big, huge, burned-out shell of a building right right next to where you're staying. So so Weird. they burn a building. They find is it Sabine? Is that how you say the <coughs> woman's name? Sabine or Sabina? Yeah. Sabine or Sabina? We'll go with Sabina because it sounds better. So <laughs> her blood-covered stolen car recovered by police. Why was it blood-covered? Well, they they never really knew for a long time. You know, like I said, this, this case sat cold for about seven years, and there were all these hypotheses, right? Everybody on the island, especially right after the case happened, had, like, their own person, personal version of what they thought happened. When I started talking to people, it was like they were having some kind of mass hallucination. People thought they had seen her at the orthodontist's office. They thought they'd seen her oh, at the yeah. Salvation Army. Somebody thought they saw her getting on a plane, I think, to South America. Uh, one woman that I spoke with said she was sure that Sabina had passed away. She was sure she was in the afterlife, but she knew that she was going to be in contact. She was going to communicate telepathically through her pet parrot. Oh. You know, so did that happen? It, <laughs> it didn't happen that I've heard of. Okay. But they did finally, they were finally able to put this whole thing together, uh, you know, all in the span of one morning after the case had been cold for seven years. And that's only when they're able to realize kind of what all the blood in the car meant, what all these other little clues meant. And uh, the fortunate thing on my end was that by that time, I'd been in communication with people down there enough that I had a relationship with the, the person who finally, it turned out, had committed the crime. And I went down there and spent a week with him and just, we went through every single detail from his meeting this woman for the first time to falling in love, moving in together to, you know, committing this crime that he thought he would never be capable of. So he, so she, she was married and she had a boyfriend. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So how did, how did that kind of figure into the whole deal? That was, that was one of the most confusing parts of everything. Yeah. You know, I, I, I guess one of the big things, you know, people's, people's idea of what had happened really depended on where they were in life. You know, if I, if I went out to a very fancy spot on the beach, people were sure it was this boyfriend who had kind of a, a rough background, some crime in his past. You know, they, they thought it was a crime of passion, right? If, that's if you were talking to very, you know, very fancy people on the beach. If you went to a, a little divey bar, they were just positive it was the husband. They thought it was this murder for money thing. He was going to get the house that they owned on the island. He was going to get the motel that they owned together, life insurance policy. And then this, this man who was driving a car was a whole other ex-actor. Everybody, everybody kind of ended their conversation by saying, and what about him? What about this guy? What is he doing driving a car full of blood around? Yeah. Yeah, what so was, was he doing? Got to read the book. <laughs> Got to read yeah, the book, exactly. man. <laughs> yeah. But I will say he, he was doing something very foolish. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Uh, well, we will find out. Uh, when we we read the book, so you you were what twenty three when you first went down to Anna Maria Island? Yeah, just about when all this stuff started. You were twenty three, and this it is all was more than I was prepared for at the age of twenty three. Yeah, I would imagine so. But do you think it was just a, a, a since uh, again you were you were just kind of at loose ends and all the rest of it? Do you think this is just a coincidence there? Uh, the fact that this all happened at the exact same time, you didn't really know what you wanted to do with your life, and now it's like, here, do this, Cutter. Was it a coincidence? 
Well, yeah, it was kind of a, I mean, all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, now I know what I'm going to do. Yeah, it's it's strange, you know. I I, I never really, I, I love In Cold Blood. I, I never really thought that I would be the kind of person who would take on this kind of project, though. You know, in, in my mind at first it was going to be much more about this place and about this woman, you know, this really right. woman who's beloved by this community and, and a really important figure and very a very perplexing woman. You know, she was, born in Germany. Her father was in the Luftwaffe in World War II, came from this very strange family background, and decided very early on she was never going to have kids. You know, she loved animals. People said if she saw a child and an animal on the railroad track, she would save the, 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 the animal, right? <laughs> That's nice. uh, so I was just so, so intrigued by her at first, and only as I got down there and started talking to people, I realized there's this really fascinating story about what happens when when a relationship between two people goes so wrong you know when when the small things just accumulate and accumulate and accumulate until suddenly there's this violent violent break Mm -hmm. can you just i mean we don't want to obviously dig too deeply into the book but like what kind of things did they argue over that would just kept that kept building and building and building were they money issues or this was the strangest thing to me you know Part of the book also gets into this because it's it's also about my life and my investigation of this crime. But the things that they argued about were were so familiar. <laughs> you know, there were things that I I was at that time just I'd just begun living with my my girlfriend who's right. now my wife. You know, and and as a person of 23 or so, a lot of the people I knew were in that situation. So the things that I was hearing them hearing that these two had been arguing about were so so familiar. You know small things like cooking or money stuff, driving the car, you know, getting angry about driving a car together, <laughs> these little tiny disagreements. And, and, you know, I think one of the really interesting ones was trying to just get along with each other's friends. You know, they were, they were kind of from different parts of the world and really weren't able to, to like enmesh themselves in each other's communities. And that was just this continual stress. And little by little, it just built up. They were never able to, to sort it out. And suddenly this terrible thing happens. So why did they rush into marriage if they really didn't even, I mean, they were from different parts of the world, as you said, didn't really have a whole lot in common. Why, why did the marriage come so quickly? Uh, well, I don't want to, so there are All right, never mind. <laughs> there's, there's a husband and a boyfriend, so I don't want to say that it, it was one or the other. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, you're, no I understand. Absolutely, yeah, and, you don't want to give too much away. And I'm the car, but you know, I, I think my impression: this woman seemed like a she's the woman to be Amy Bueller who disappeared. Was really an impressive person to me. You know, she was very, very passionate, very, very strong-willed, and Catherine. just believed in in living her life to the fullest and and doing what she needed to do to be happy. And was also a very caring person, so she was happy to to for instance, start a relationship with a man who'd formerly been in prison, hoping hoping to kind of bring him back around to society. And I think it was it was a lot of that that kind of really eventually did her in, being so caring. Really? Yeah. The book is called Love and Death in the Sunshine State, the story of a crime cut her wood. The author and the book is available everywhere, sir. Did he drop? Nice. I can still hear you. Oh, oh yeah, well, yeah. I just wanted. To, I was asked. The book is available everywhere. Oh, sorry. I didn't. I didn't hear the question. Yep. 
Yep, it's available everywhere. You can get it online. You can get it in your local bookstore. All you have to do is look it up. We like it. Well, thank you for your time. It's a fascinating story. And then I'm going to, now I get to find out what went on. <laughs> That's the good part. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Thank you, Cutter. Thanks for having me. Uh, our great pleasure. Cutter Wood, ladies and gentlemen, love and death. And that's a lot of pressure for your first book out there. Is that, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a lot like Truman Capote's In Cold Blood. It's like, yeah. okay, one of the best books ever written. But, you know, other than that. I, yeah, remember, I remember reading that book. I don't know how old I was. And I mean, I was just like, I couldn't didn't sleep for a while. Well, yeah. I just didn't <clears throat> realize that there were, you know, that I, I think I read it when I was like 15. I was that, about that age. Yeah, when I read and, it. I was and then like, I watched the movie with Ro- was Robert Blake. Yep. Yeah, and I just that was the first time I realized that there were truly twisted, evil people yeah. in the world. I didn't really know. Well, and the fact that it wasn't like a farm in Kansas yeah. made it even spookier yeah, exactly. for some reason. Yeah, You think that you live in a tiny little farm yep. in, in Kansas, you're you're safe. I mean, who's gonna have care that it, you're there? And I don't oh, think I ever will. No, don't do it. You know why? <laughs> I get they, too emotionally. It's, one of those, it's like Psycho, the Psycho movie. You know, with yeah, the, except for with it was real. Scene. Yeah. I, I know, but I mean, you know, I still to this day don't like, you know, it's like lock your bathroom door. I know. Why you do never people... know when somebody's going to come in and try to murder you in the shower. There's no reason <laughs> not to lock your door when you're in the shower. So I never just... would lock my door. That's because you haven't seen Psycho. I have seen Psycho. <laughs> oh, wasn't, you have? Yeah. Wasn't the name of the out? family the Cutter family? The in cold blood. Right. blood. Oh, I maybe think that's... they might have been the Cutter family. Well, that's probably why I don't remember. It's been many years since well, I read that ye- book. Clutter. 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 There you go. The Clutter Close. family. Close. Cutter and the Clutter. Hmm. Good thing they're not stoned. We'd all be freaking out right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, one thing I will tell you is, uh, you know why Truman Capote was given the story in cold blood by the by the inmate? Because he had a sexual relationship with the guy. Ah. Of course he did. Pe- people don't know that. Uh, Capote was a big weirdo. Apparently. Across the board. Yeah. Across the board in, in many, many different ways. But, yeah, I, I, you could not consider that to be a, a natural reaction. I think I'll start banging an inmate. Yeah, like, really? Yeah. yeah, I don't think so. I'm good. It, yeah. I'm good. So Cutter and the Clutters. Ah! Coincidence? Where's Art Bell when you need Where's him? Oh, he's dead. <laughs> or is he? That's 72 years old, too. Isn't that terrible? We will be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again to, to Cutter Wood. Nice, a nice guy. So he's only what? So he's only thirty-three now. He's a babes in babe in the woods. He's a babes in the woods. woods. Yeah. We'll be back, part two. Tom Bernard Show.